This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Looks at me, as always, is Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we are going to be talking about some wet boys. We're also going to be talking about Eric Bledsoe. We also got Nikola Miritich versus Bobby Portis. And we're wrapping it up with Philadelphia 76ers and Markel Fultz Talk. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, big shout out to you. If you're watching on YouTube, what's up? How you doing, everybody? We probably got New York Skyline behind us. I don't know what radio what's up behind us. <laughs> we also want to give a shout out to our iTunes listeners. If you are listening on iTunes, definitely go give us a rating. If you're not even on iTunes, go to iTunes, type in the Fast Break Podcast, give us five stars. We appreciate you. Show us some love. And also, as you noticed last week, uh, Jake called in. This is Patreon. So if you want to check out patreon.com slash Podcast, definitely go check that out. We had Pat also hit us up on Patreon, and we definitely are loving the support you guys are giving us over there. If you want to be a part of the Patreon family, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. But let's jump into the damp dudes, the moist men, the perspirating people, and the soggy shooters. We're talking about wet boys here on the Fast Break Podcast. Edition number two. Last week, it was Kristaps Porzingis and Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Now we have two new wet boys joining the club. Dave, give us your wet boy of the week. I mean, it's hard to say there hasn't been a more impressive force to start this season. His name is Giannis. He sort of does everything for this Bucks team. He's kind of amazing. He's pretty good. He 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 could say he's okay. Read off some stats uh, just I'm to just, bolster it, even though I'm everybody at he's, home he's knows he's dropping like. 37, 5, and... T- I'm sorry, 37, 11, and 5. He's also doing it at 65% from the field, which is absolutely insane. Giannis what? has been leading the Bucks to a uh, 3-2 and two start because they just lost to Boston, but even then, yeah. it was a competitive game against Boston. You he, look at the Cleveland game. He shot and that made two out of three threes. He did. Are you afraid yet? Because if, he, if well, he can shoot like that... What if he can shoot like that? Because right now he's a 40 per. Um, if he can <laughs> shoot like that... What? Who can stop Giannis? The answer is no. No one can. And the stop answer is Giannis? buddy. Nobody. That's pretty good. I got nobody. That's pretty good. I, I thought you were gonna say no buddy as like no no buddy healed can't stop. Oh like, yeah, because buddy healed is not that good. Buddy defense. healed is not a great defender. Buddy healed can't stop Giannis on the Koopa, which is true. Yeah. But honestly, like if Giannis is going at full speed at what he's doing, averaging thirty six point eight points per game, ten rebounds, five assists, two blocks, two steals per game. God. I mean. Is there enough around him to make this a championship team right now? A championship? No. Because no, Giannis is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah. It, but this isn't the first time we've seen a player, you know, elevate their game to this level. But we also level. haven't seen this level before. I mean, Anthony Davis was averaging like 40, 12, and like but, 4 but that was some, last year. But something is with Giannis, I mean, is this something he can keep up? I. That's a scary thing. It's because... I can think, he keep up 36 <laughs> points per game? It's stupid, but I think he can average like 33. Wilt did 50 before. Well, Wilt was also playing against a bunch of 5'10 kids. Hey, Giannis Antetokounmpo is 6'11", yeah. you know, point forward, who is absolutely fast, has a crazy wingspan, and also is like super fluid. I mean, the fact that he can like one dribble it from like half court in is just bonkers. Yeah, I mean, he's the stretchy dude from Monster, uh, Space Jam. <laughs> I was going to say Monster Jam. Space Monster Jam. Jam. What's Monster Jam? <laughs> Space Jam. He's, he's a dude from Space Jam. He's, he's been un... Uh, uh, undescribable because you literally have to watch him because the numbers are amazing and like they, it, it's almost unbelievable. But when you watch him play in a game, it's another level. You mm-hmm. watch the amount of force he goes to the hole with. You watch how quick he is, his step, his ball handling has improved, and his shot has looked even cleaner this year. It's the one thing you have to give him credit. Like This is a man who came into the league early 
and he's improved his game every single year. He didn't just he wasn't just amazing overnight. Yeah. Uh, I I just not enough credit to to even give him. I mean, the question is obviously can he sustain? I think he can do closest. Obviously, there's a lot of questions about you know when Jabari comes back, how does he work back in lineup? Yeah. Obviously, you've have you're having guys over excel right now. Brogdon's looked amazing. Chris Mid has been a little underperforming from my point of view, but still a quality player. They've got the right guys around him. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing is you have a great supporting cast. The question here is, you know, like, is there anybody who can body him up? We've seen no so far, but to be fair, like, you know, you played against LeBron James was the one well, guy we expected. But also the one thing, too, I mean, if you're playing LeBron James, they're going to let you beat him. They're going to shut down everybody else and yeah. make you, you know, you can put up 34 points against LeBron, but as long as they're shutting down everybody else, they're going to win at 116.97, so it doesn't matter. They're getting the W. It doesn't matter if you're putting up 34. It's true. Um, it's true. But the one thing that I want to say, if you're going to make a move in the Milwaukee Bucks, what's the one piece that you do want to move? Because we're going to talk a little bit about it with the Eric Bledsoe deal, that Milwaukee's definitely a suitor, but if you're just taking an architect type of a player, who are you looking for to help Giannis grow as a pow, uh, pow, point, point forward, forward yeah. and how are you you know, helping him just grow on the court? It's hard because I'm in that struggle of I want to go like 2K on this and have like a dynasty style team, which is what they're... You can't. Well, that's the thing is their timeline sort of lines up for that now with, you know, the expected development of a Thon maker with Brogdon, mm-hmm. you know, potentially getting better this year. Everybody joked about... But he's already in his prime when he's he came a, into the league. He's 25. He'll be 25 <laughs> soon. Um, and that's the thing. is like, and, and Chris Mid's on a long-term contract. I think, obviously, Henson's kind of the, the odd man out right now. Um, but what do they need? I would love if they had a better point guard, to be honest. Like, I think Brogdon would excel being you know, a backup point. I don't... Like, Delhi's quality, but I don't love him. If you could get yourself mm-hmm. a better point... Uh, someone so Giannis doesn't have to match the ball in his hands at all the time. I know you want his hands as often as possible, but there's the questions of you know turnovers and open looks for everybody else. Like having a second ball handler who you're confident in, who keeps turnovers to a minimum, money. If you can get somebody who can defend even better. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm either going for a one or a five, to be honest. I'm one okay. or five. So you're looking for a one or a five. One thing about Giannis, though, is he's not as bad as James Harden was two years ago well, when it comes to turnovers. Just that's a record, sir. We are going to move out to my wet boy, though, and it's going to be Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers, Whoa. recently traded from OKC to bring Paul George over to OKC. And some people are saying Paul George is underperforming. Shut the fuck up. It's been like three games, four games, five games. Making Melo look like an all-defensive player. Just chill. <laughs> if Melo's going to be an all-defensive player, cool. Paul George is going to bounce back. I think it was something April he was shooting like 27, 50, and 40. Like, yeah, Paul mean, George is going to be fine. Not comfy He's, Paul George yet. Yeah, he is an all-NBA team player. Yep. But one thing... Victor Oladipo has proved in the last three games is that he has been absolutely money. 30 points per game, shooting 56% from the field and 55% from three. It's not like he's taking like one three. He's averaging 3.3 makes <laughs> to 6.7 attempts from three. I mean, he's been super efficient grabbing four uh, boards as well, uh, 2.7 assists, and he's also been doing on the defensive side a block a game and also 2.3 steals per game. Victor Oladipo has been absolutely fantastic for the Pacers. I don't know how you know, well the Pacers are going to do this year. I don't have high expectations for the Pacers, but if Oladipo can go off, that is a guy that who is still super young, only 25 years old, you possibly could help build a team around uh, Oladipo and Miles Turner. So is that this, could be a fun Is this fun the guy that was drafted, what, like third overall or something? Second, second, second overall. Second behind um, and Anthony Bennett. 
and we're finally seeing the level of production you expect out of that well, quality player. But also one thing, the usage is high up. I mean, it wasn't like he was terrible in OKC. He obviously struggled in the you know position they wanted him to be in, being right. a 3 and D guy. But he wasn't terrible. It wasn't like he was awful in OKC. I would probably still do that deal again if I was OKC for Sabonis and well, yeah. getting in Oladipo and all that. I still like that move. But the one thing is that now the usage is going up, and maybe he's not a guy that you know is supposed to play off a guy like West. Maybe he's supposed to be a guy in a vein of West, at least going to be a guy who should be a primary ball handler, yeah. or at least a guy that should be your number one scoring option on a team. And Oladipo, after his last three games, has been absolutely fantastic. Now it's just really Oladipo. You got to keep it up. Um, you obviously not going to stick around thirty points per game, but efficiency if you can stay is around, the most surprising yeah. thing. I think you have to give him credit because that does. That I'm was one shocked. thing. Yeah, that was one thing with OKC that he didn't have was efficiency from deep and 55% from three is ridiculous. Let us know in the comments down below who your wet boy of the week is. But moving on, we're going to be talking about the news coming out of Phoenix. Eric Bledsoe shockingly wants to be traded away from that dumpster fire that is known as the Phoenix Suns tweeting on October 27th. I don't want to be here, which is pretty much a blunt way to saying it's a shocker. trade me. Um, and then hours later, they fire Earl Watson. And obviously, it's coming out today that Eric Bledsoe had a private meeting with owner and GM of the Suns saying that you know he was frustrated with the direction of the team. It's whiffs and free agency and the questionable personnel moves during his four years with the franchise. So he was upset during the offseason, made it clear to him probably why the you know people were tossing out like, oh, Kyrie to the Suns, Eric mm-hmm. Bledsoe would be part of that deal. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. Kyrie ends up Boston and Eric Bledsoe stays in Phoenix Sun- with the Phoenix Suns and they get blown out in their first three games. And now Eric Bledsoe coming out and just pretty much saying, hey, I want to be traded. I'm going to make it clear and obvious to the NBA. So the biggest question is obviously where will he land? So looking at the possible teams out there, what are some teams that you see possible that could be in you know contention to acquiring Eric Bledsoe that are probably in trade talks with the Phoenix Suns right now to acquire Eric Bledsoe? I mean, the ones that kind of jump off the page to me are the Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know there's a Moutier deal that was tossed out there potentially for Denver, yep. for Denver um, but there hasn't been a ton of follow-up on that one. But that's the only one that has come out. The Bucks deal was rumored to be something along the lines of like Brogdon Henson um, involved, maybe a first round next year. Um, and Rowe's name was tossed out a little bit. Like they're not really sure. It seems like the question yeah. is: Is it just Bledsoe or is Tyson Chandler a toss-in to balance out some contract work? Mm-hmm. The Cavs one is the other interesting one because let's be honest. Like you know, you have a backcourt who's already unhealthy. So what do you need? Another guy who doesn't play a full season. Well, like I said before we started recording, it's that you need the insurance to the insurance to the insurance because Isaiah Thomas is your main guy, but he's going to be out till January. D. Rose gets hurt in the third game that they rolled played. Second game, yeah. Uh, yeah, gets taken out by, uh, was it Monroe, right? Gets taken out by yeah. Monroe, rolls his ankle, and he's you know day-to-day right now. We don't know when he's going to come back and be fully healthy and when he's going to be 100%. So you got your first two options completely down. You're down to Ho- Jose Calderon. So now you have the ability to bring in Eric Bledsoe, but then you're probably crowding a backcourt there, right, in Cleveland? Because when Isaiah Thomas is healthy, when Derrick Rose is healthy, when Eric Bledsoe is healthy, you hope all three of them are healthy at the same time, that's a pretty crowded backcourt, isn't it? Yeah, and those aren't exactly guys who you feel comfortable with moving over to the two guard. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, no offense, Derrick Rose, you're not a shooter. No. Uh, not surprised to anybody. IT at the two guard really concerns you because if you run a lineup with he and Derrick Rose, the defense is questionable. Uh, the size problem, obviously, for IT out there. I mean, Bledsoe, known for being one of the better guard defenders in the league, respect. Like, I think that, honestly, even though you might crowd it, it does buy you, like you said, the insurance. It's no matter what happens, we're going to roll out there with a top-quality point guard in the league, above league average at least. I think it's worthwhile, even if you have to give up something like TT, uh, that Nets pick, which may not be that great anyway, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, whatever else you have to toss into to sweeten the deal. 
that one I like the most, to be honest. I think both teams end up better off for it. Um, obviously, really, the Suns are just looking to move along without Eric Bledsoe as you know a locker room problem. You don't want your veteran on the team to just absolutely tank the young core of kids who are like college age. Like, yeah. it sends the wrong message, I believe. Well, so. I mean, you even mentioned the Dragon Benders, uh, not even get twenty yet. And yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's younger Ball. than Lonzo. Yeah, Lonzo Ball is actually older than uh, Dragon Bender out yeah. there. So, I mean, looking at this, obviously, you do want to move Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe wants to be moved. It's going to help your team further down the road because you're going to be able to bring in Pitts. Picks. You mentioned Milwaukee. I don't think that deal is going to happen because you look at what the personnel in Milwaukee, and I feel like Eric Bledsoe doesn't, you know, improve it that much. Yes, he's a better player than probably Malcolm Brogdon in a sense. Like, hey, whoever, whoever would I rather have as a point guard? Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon or Eric Bledsoe. But who currently fits the personnel that I'm I have on my team? It's Malcolm Brogdon. I don't want to give up Chris Middleton because Chris Middleton could be a guy who plays the two that plays extremely you know, efficient defense and is a nice three-point shooter that's going to fit alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo where Eric Bledsoe, he's a guy that really works better with the ball in his hands. If you're going to make Giannis your point guard or at least a guy that's going to be a point forward and right. you know, bring up the ball a lot for you, you are really going to be underutilizing Eric Bledsoe's best ability. So, mm-hmm. And then you can also you know, possibly trade some depth like Tony Snell, but Tony Snell was fantastic for you last year. You look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah. like mentioning you know, uh, TT. I don't want to trade TT for Eric Bledsoe for get me because Tyson you, Chandler back. Then you're, I think you're better off because of the contract situation. But Tyson Chandler's locked down, and I think if I'm, if I'm going to Google it, obviously. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, he, he signed for three years, thirty-six million, and he's in year two. So you're still going to have him for another year after that. Sorry, it was four years, fifty-two mil. So you, you have him for this year and next year as well. And that's Tyson Chandler, who is right now thirty-five years old. Still better than Tristan Thompson's contract. I. But Tristan Thompson's already younger, has been playing with this team, and while it is a better contract in a sense, I disagree with that because Tristan Thompson's still younger, he's more athletic, and knows the system where Tyson Chandler could come in, and with his age, he could go down at any second. Tristan Thompson uh, is at least solid. more reliable out there. He has been, but Tristan I'm saying, Thompson's I, been nowhere, that's the problem. Like I get it. He has, he has youth on size, side. He also has the athleticism. Mm-hmm. Absolutely won't argue that. Tyson Chandler's just been consistent, period. As a center, he's nothing flashy. He gets the job done, and I think he brings a level of defensive toughness that, honestly, they're missing because Tristan Thompson isn't there. The, reason, the whole thing is Tristan Thompson's but, a liability right you're now, not making, so you have to put K-Love You're not making the move for... No, but I'm Tyson saying it's Chandler. a bonus. I, but I don't think it's enough of a bonus to say, hey, here goes the first-round pick that we got just in case LeBron goes. Even though right. you can mention that Brooklyn right now is 3-2, is and two. it yep. doesn't matter what Brooklyn currently is. Brooklyn can play hard as much as they want. They don't have the talent if to they give up match with most games, NBA. It's going to yeah, be a problem. Right now, we'll talk about the Nets <laughs> a little bit later in the podcast, but right now, the Nets aren't a for-sure thing, and the Nets can easily go back to a bottom-five team. So I don't feel comfortable giving up Tristan Thompson, a guy that is much younger than... Uh, Tyson Chandler, about yep. nine years younger right now. And yes, you could talk about contracts. You could talk about all of this right now. I feel like they're very similar players in a sense that, yes, Tyson Chandler is going to bring different pluses, but also Tristan Thompson is going to bring different pluses that Tyson Chandler cannot bring. Where, you know, Tristan Thompson has been a guy that has been super healthy, has played 82 games for four straight years, and then last year only played 78. But then again, you just have to rest guys at, at some point. So that was more of a rest thing where Tristan Thompson has been very reliable, where Tyson Chandler is 35 years old. I don't really see that working out because if you know, TT is going to be one of the biggest catalysts there. I don't feel good enough bringing in Tyson Chandler and Eric Bledsoe, especially with the backcourt situation already, where, like you mentioned, none of the guys currently playing one for Cleveland in IT, who's too small to play the two, D. Rose, who's not healthy enough and isn't a big enough shooter to play 
the two, and Eric Bledsoe, who has the same problems as Derrick Rose, but is a little bit smaller than he's D. Rose. He's a better shooter than D. Rose, though. But even then, he's only shooting like 37 in his best season from three, and, and, right. and he sits around like, I think, 35, 33% yeah. in his career from three. So he's not a guy that's going to be knocking down threes consistently for you, and especially at that two-guard position, where you already have a ton of guys carrying the ball. I mean, you move LeBron to play the point guard, obviously, because of the injuries that are happening. Right. But still, you have the best basketball player in the world who can bring the ball up for you. You don't need another point guard. I feel like you're just throwing away picks there. You're throwing away assets that you can actually get to help your team. Maybe a different player for Tristan Thompson and upgrade it. Maybe if Boogie is a guy that's going down, you can look for possibly bringing in Boogie in later on the season instead of bringing Eric Bledsoe in, who I feel you don't need. I feel like the team that really should be going after Eric Bledsoe right now is the Denver Nuggets. You look at what they have out there, and obviously Jokic is a guy that brings out the ball, but if you're able to keep Jamal Murray and get rid of Moutier and Fareed, mm -hmm. I feel like that helps both sides, both the Suns and the Nuggets, extremely well, and I feel like it's the best trading asset out there for them. I mean, that that's a bold call. I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, Moutier has, up to this point in his career, been a disappointment, I think. I don't want to label him a bust yet, but it's just been a little disappointing, his progression. The thing for me is, like, if you're talking... You know, you made the big case for Giannis ball handler point, but then we're talking Jokic. Is that not a similar situation where you don't want somebody who is uh, ball dominant as uh, Eric Bledsoe is? But I feel like with, with Jokic, Giannis is, is ready to take that step as the number one. And I'm not saying that Jokic isn't, but Jokic mm -hmm. still has some development that you can work on. And also, Jokic is still a big. And, and you're not really relegating him to that because I, think, I feel like it would probably be, you know, if, if we're comparing it to anything, mm -hmm. probably most likely the LeBron and Kyrie situation where Kyrie was still a ball handle out there and right. Eric Bledsoe can still be a scorer and you can still provide different looks there as well because you mentioned Eric Bledsoe is a great defender already. And, and you when still he have, is motivated. I want to clarify yeah. that because I know people were but, knocking on his defense in the last couple of years, but it's hard to get motivated on that sense. He has the ability to, to, to play defense yeah. when motivated. And if you're playing on a better team like the Nuggets who are more oh. competitive than the Suns, yeah. you're going to you know see that spark. You already have Wilson Chandler out there who has proven before to be a good three-point shooter. You have Gary Harris who's proven to be a good three-point shooter as well. True. And if Bledsoe has an open shot, and hopefully those open shots will be created by Jokic as a ball handling ability, that's going to add the scoring. And then also, Bledsoe gives you a different look where you can run pick and rolls with him and Jokic. You can run pick and rolls with him and Millsap. You can open up the space a little bit more, and you're going to provide different looks than, all right, Jokic is bringing up the ball. You can see what they do with, with when Bledsoe has the ball. And I feel like Bledsoe can add that where Moutier's sitting on your bench right now. He's not a part of your future because you have Jamal Murray already, and he's pretty much your point guard of the future. And even then, I don't think they're even sold on Moutier. I think they drafted him, and I think it's pretty much been a lost cause right now. He needs a change of scenery. Yeah. So that's going to help Moutier. That's going to help the Suns as well because you're getting a young point guard who's still very, very young. I think he's still under 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And Moutier, while he hasn't shown anything in the NBA so far, I feel like he could show that at some point. And playing on the Suns, it's a lost cause already. So what's the worst There's thing no you can do? There's no better way for him to spend time, yeah. Exactly. And then you look at Fareed. Fareed's going to at least bring energy to that Suns team. He's at least going to bring a, you know, a different level. They're a little of, crowded yeah. at uh, power forward. But but it's still coming off the bench or you know even starting and, and bringing in different looks, keeping guys fresh. Fareed's going to bring some energy to that True. team. So And you also, if you throw in a pick as well, I feel like pick, Moutier, and Fareed is the best deal for both teams because... I don't think Tristan Thompson is going to take the Suns to the next level or anything like that. It's, I don't feel like but Tristan Thompson brings that. Tristan and, Thompson does bring some expertise. He's a veteran in the league. Oh, and why do you need that? Because you already have Tyson Chandler. Because Tyson Chandler's more Tyson of a Tyson Chandler is a seven foot one center. Tristan Thompson's six nine. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's a difference in what they can do for you. Tristan Thompson athletically matches up better with the quick style pace that the Suns like to run. He does. And, he, and, and I think he fits the window a whole lot better. Like Tyson Chandler's yeah. been a fantastic vet. 
but you put a 7-1 center on the Cavs. I know I'm going back to the Cavs a little bit here, but like mm-hmm. I just see that working better than... I, I see that transition. Now, I know it's a Bledsoe trade, but this is just bonus for both teams that you get to swap out centers. You get an athletic, younger guy who... You know, we've seen when he's motivated, he dominates the boards, he plays up for big games in the past, and he fits their window better. And Eric Bledsoe is literally, you know, baby Bron Bron was his old name. So I, I just think that well, LeBron has been the primary ball handler, like the big concern is when he's not on the court, how hard do they fall off? And it was dramatic in the past. So he kind of helped curves that yeah. um, drop off. And I get what you're saying with the crowd of backcourt. I just think it's worth the risk because... Worst case scenario, you have too many good players and you can run small ball lineups and everybody's percentage, shooting percentages go up by playing on the Cavs. Like it's a natural you, buff. You have Isaiah Thomas, who's banged up right now and is going to play until January. You have D Rose, who, as much as I love playing him and he's on our fantasy team and, yeah. our, and, and our fantasy and our most valuable podcast, fantasy basketball team, he's already banged up already. And it was a freak thing. It wasn't like he tore anything. Yeah, he, he, he literally got like clothesline and then. But yeah. still, he got hurt. He's yep. not playing because he's banged up. Yeah. And you're talking about Eric Bledsoe, a guy who's consistently been banged up throughout his career. So I just feel like not only do you have guys with talent, you also guys have with, you have guys with injury worries as right. well. So hey, what if Isaiah Thomas doesn't come back fully healthy and he's not able to play? What if D Rose gets hurt again? What if Eric Bledsoe re-injures something? I mean, this is a guy that hasn't played eighty over 80 games since 2014, 2015. Yeah, and Eric Bledsoe. It's been a bit. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy. I don't feel like you know crowding a backcourt with unhealthy guys is going to help your team become that team to beat the Warriors. I you feel know, like you need to take your assets and use it in a better direction. I do. The one thing I do, I have to say, I like the Nuggets idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing it also helps is their transition game. Yeah. Bledsoe in transition is a much needed yes. improvement, and that would make them much more dangerous. I'm leaning towards that as the most likely trade. I just think the fit-wise, I would prefer something like the Cavs because I want to get this Cavs team as close as possible to competing at the highest level. And I don't feel like it gets to them. I don't feel like that trade, Bledsoe, gets him to that level. Yeah, and the outside one that actually has had the most talk was obviously the the Bucks one. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I think both you and I agree that the personnel around uh, Giannis right now is better than if you had to bring in Bledsoe and replace out somebody like a Brogdon who, you know, well, he's, you know, there's only a three-year difference between the two of them, Yeah, which is crazy because the amount of years that well, Bledsoe he, has played. Yeah, rookie of the year. I know. Last well, year. Well, yeah, asterisk no. that yeah. one, but... Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, one guy was the rookie of the year last year, one guy's Eric Bledsoe who's been in the league since 2010, and there's yeah. only a three-year difference. Yeah, and, I mean, Brogdon does have, like, the, the, I think it was a foot injury from way back, like, I think it was his, like, rookie year or his yeah. senior high school, but still, the thing is, like, his spacing is amazing, and his defense is pretty good. I think it's it, it would be comparable, if not a little worse, than Bledsoe when he's tryharding. The thing there is just like, do you want to break up that core of guys who are building towards something? And I would I would be leery about that. Yeah. The only way I'd pull the trigger is like, if you got rid of like Monroe for some reason, and even he's kind of overperforming for my expectations. So. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I feel like the Bucks wouldn't happen. I wouldn't do that. If I think I'm you're the Bucks. convincing me to the unless, Nugs. unless you get the right picks. Where is he going? Where is he going to land? Because he's going to get traded. They're not going to keep him around. Do you know what's weird? I almost want to say like he's going to none of these teams that we've mentioned so far. Probably. Like, he's going to the Bulls. I think. Oh God, please. We're going to get like Ja. We're going to vegan Ja and Eric Bledsoe yeah. to lead us to the future. Um, no, I, I don't think I don't think there's going to be a find out yet. I think it's going to take another week okay. to be sorted. There, look, there's no rush. They're the freaking Suns. Yeah. They're not. They're not exactly trying to win games out there. Mm-hmm. They're they're out there to you know let the young kids play. Um, I get you know they already fired one coach. The assistant coach is going to ride it out for the rest of the season. It's not like they're going to pull the trigger on him too. So 
I think they wait and find a suitor. The problem is, like you said, you mentioned and that got me thinking, is the boogie thing is, you know, there's a timer on other guys in this league. It's not just boogie. There's a couple other free agents or potential trade baits out there uh, by the midpoint of the season. So I think they're they're looking for a great deal. They're not going to find it. It's going to take a little time for them to drop off, I think, yeah. realistically. I think that you're right. It's not going to be a team that we named. I feel like out of the teams that we named, Denver makes the most sense. I agree. Denver should go do it, but I feel like the Phoenix wants more than Moutier, Fareed, and a pick. So yeah. I feel like they're not going to come together because I don't think the Nuggets should give up more than that because you're trading for a guy on a contract that isn't really that favorable for a guy that hasn't played a lot of games in his career and a guy that is very limited. He's very good. He plays great. You know, plays great defense when motivated, like you said. Good I in transition. Call him limited. Good. He was. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was fantastic. That was a couple of years ago. And there's been a couple injuries since. I just, a couple, I, couple legs, couple knees. I worry about Bledsoe, yeah. and I just feel like it has to be the right team. And I feel like the right team, like weirdly enough, might be like the Orlando Magic or something like that. I feel like out of nowhere, you'll bring a guy who's good in the pick and roll. You have Vucevic. You have a guy like Fournier uh, to work off him. You can throw in like Hazonia um, in there somewhere. <laughs> and, and, but he's young. I mean, that's the thing. Is like yeah. they, they have young players that aren't doing shit. So like, hey, give them some picks. It's give the them Suns some. timeline. Yeah, I, that's I, what you go for. And I feel like Bledsoe fits more with the guys that are currently on the Magic. I feel like the Magic could be a team that, you know, weirdly enough could get it. So that, that's my thoughts. Those yeah. are Dave's thoughts. Tell us what you think in the comments down below. Where will Eric Bledsoe land? Um, when will he get traded as well? Is it going to be something that, you know, once we post this video, he's going to be gone? Or is it going to be something <laughs> like we wait like three weeks until Eric Bledsoe is traded? So tell us in the comments down below. But let's move on to our next segment where we talk about Nikola Mirotic and Bobby Portis. We obviously didn't talk about it for a while now, but we finally yeah. get into it because Nikola Mirotic coming out and saying that he would not veto a trade. He would waive his right to veto, as Dave wants me to yep. put it, um, the trade out of Chicago. He wants a you or me situation. So Bobby Portis's apology was not enough to keep Nikola Mirotic around. Looking at Mirotic's contract, he has one year. They have a club option next year, but he does have, obviously, a no-trade no, no. <laughs> no clause. So looking at this, who's in the right first off? Is is Mirotic in the right or is Portis in the right? Because it apparently sure Mirotic was off. jawing at, at Portis as well. Yeah, it, the more that comes out, the more you want to be on Bobby's side. Yeah, he threw the punch, but to be honest with you, it sounds like he's done everything. Like Everybody's like, oh, no, Nico started it. This isn't the first time Nico started shit with people on the team. And even if Bobby comes out and apologizes to it, no response from Nico. Like, it's pretty clear who who the Bulls are favoring in the locker room already. Mm -hmm. So I think that the Bulls prefer Bobby, uh, but Nico's still got some value, and Does I, he? he's still a good shooter. I mean, no one signed him when he was out in the he free wanted, market. He, he was out. Money, though. He was out for a while. Ended up getting paid twelve and a half million for two years for from the Bulls. But even then, it's not like. People were, you know, going after him. I mean, no. it's not like anything came close. If Nicola wanted to play, he could have played. He wanted the money, and that's all that mattered. Because Garpax knew that, you know, they're gonna toss him money. But even then, you know, this is pretty much a wasted signing already because he gets punched in the face because he's already and something that they already knew. He's a guy that's already kind of, you know, vicious in 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 the court. I mean, in this team, in this <laughs> locker room, bad stumbling right there. Yeah. Uh, but Miritich right there. I mean, it's something that you already knew what you got in this guy, why are you bringing him back for the contract that he wanted? I just don't understand the signing of Mirotic in the first place. Uh, to be honest, it was going for a solid shooter, and that's the thing. Like, He has he has a lot of upside. As much shit as we give Nico is, look, when he's on, he's a fantastic shooter. He stretches Which the floor. Which is only he in fits, April. He fits Hoiberg's system, period. That's why they have him there, because you need a four who can stretch the floor. The problem is he can't defend the pick and roll ever. Mm -hmm. He gets targeted on that viciously, and like you said, 
he seems to get hot right at the end of the year. Um, I mean, not not super consistent for any point in time up until then. Yeah. So could he be an asset to teams? Absolutely, because you have a seven-footer who can shoot the three-ball, and he's got a great stroke. Yeah. I think with him, it's more just if we got to see him this year in spacing, it would be very interesting. The problem is, because he and Bobby are both unavailable, we've gotten to watch Laurie Markkinen go out there and make them both look halfway obsolete. And he's looked pretty damn good so far, Markkinen. And you look at it, I mean, Miritich, while he has a pretty stroke, he only shoots 35% from three in his career. It's not like he's out there killing it so far. And you have a guy in uh, Laurie Markkinen who is very young, has a lot of skills out there, yep. and you're not paying $12.5 million and is not aggravating guys and not enticing guys to punch him in the face. I mean, <laughs> it's clear right come here. On right here. It, it, it's clear that Nikola Mirotic is the one that should be traded. It's me or him is pretty much what he's coming telling Garpax. It's clear that it should be Bobby Portis. I don't care if Bobby Portis punched Nikola Mirotic in the face. It doesn't matter. Bobby Portis is cheaper and mm-hmm. while Mirotic does fit in the Hoiberg system because of the four that can shoot, you already have one in marketing who can do that. And Bobby Portis also brings something that I don't feel Miritich brings, and that, that, that's athleticism and speed. And yes. while that's something that you know exactly doesn't fit Hoiberg's system exactly, if you're moving in trans- transition, Portis still moving up and down the floor is very good at that. He is very quick moving up and down the floor. And he's got to develop a little bit. He showed sometimes that he can shoot a little bit from the outside, but nothing too flashy. But even then, down low, I mean, he can be a guy that could be your center and you, when you take Rolo out, and he mm-hmm. can be a guy that can be your five out there, grab some boards, and push the ball up the court. And I really like that. And that's why I would say Portis, even without the punching in the face incident, without even looking at contracts, because even looking strictly on the floor, I just like what Bobby Portis brings to the Chicago Bulls over Nikola Mirotic. And it's like both, it's not even that big of a deal because both of these guys are role players. Exactly. And that's the thing. And we, we kind of joked, I think, at the end of last year about if you could duct tape them together, <laughs> like you combine their powers. They're a solid power forward. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's very lopsided between offense, defense, what you're getting effort-wise out of both of these guys. And I, I agree, like, Bobby is a great fit. He can go small ball five, or he can be an energy guy because somebody needs to suck up the boards even, you know, even while everybody's on the outside. You still need somebody to collect those rebounds down low and fight for the ball, bring some nastiness to it. And I know that Bobby's got to build up his game still, but, like, this is a very interesting situation because... Nico can't be traded until January 18th. I know he's going to be out for another like four to six weeks because of the surgery, the surgery on his face. Mm-hmm. But what do you do in that meantime? Like you got the entire month of December, pretty much, and then a couple weeks in January, and you're you going to play Nico? Like, it, I know he said me or him, but like, does he have any leverage in this situation? Even are the Bulls just going to be like tough shit? I honestly don't think he has leverage because you're paying him 2.5 million right now. You have to show these teams, what he can bring out to this court. Nico is going to have to come out there, play for the Chicago Bulls, and have to light it up for the Bulls to trade him because they're not going to trade him if he has no value. I mean, they're going to try their best, but no one's going to want him. If he has no value, no one's going to want to take on $12.5 million, and no one's going to want to take on a, a guy who's not performing God, out there. You know I just thought of? So what? We're going to attach a pick to that. <laughs> it's Garpax. Oh, shit. What <laughs> shitty second-round point guard are you going to trade for and say he's <laughs> point guard of the future? That'd be great. Maybe we can get Spencer Dinwiddie back. He's too good. <laughs> we already had him once. He's we were too like, good. Nah, get out you of might get Isaiah, Isaiah Whitehead <laughs> for, for like a first and Nicola. Like this is that bad. Like Nicola it's isn't. Not, no, because his contract after this year, you can pretty much write it off. It's really just one year of contract. I, I don't think it's you, a bad you deal. You can cut his contract, but even then team... you're still paying him. You have to balance that out though. I because think not it, everyone's yeah. going to be able to take out a 
you know, take on a twelve and a half million dollar contract. Right. No, and I understand that. I'm, I'm thinking maybe a maybe a pseudo playoff contender, maybe somebody who's looking for somebody who can stretch the stretch the floor, mm-hmm. take that ball behind the three point line. Maybe an outside team. I mean, honestly, like a team like I'm gonna say, like maybe even the Pelicans. Like if they could add some bench depth there, because I know they're I know power forward's not exactly the position they're yep. weak at. But another man who can stretch the floor is pretty much what they're looking for. I mean, but you, the thing is, you need to move a lot of money because yeah. to take that on because they, they have, have no cap. Contract, so yeah. yeah, I mean, you might we could eat the Sheik contract back. I was about to say that you might bring back Amir <laughs> Sheik back to the Chicago Bulls. I feel so bad for him too. It's not his fault. He'd fit great in the Chicago Bulls. He lineup. can't play. He's not medical. He know. won't be medically cleared. I know, but I'm just saying, like yeah. it was a bad joke. Um, <laughs> but I think it's clear to not only us, but Bulls fans, that Bobby Portis should be the guy that you keep just because he's cheaper. And even I mean, in if that you case, can he's mo- still coming off the bench. Oh, I mean, I'd keep yeah. Laurie starting. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's I mean, with, without a doubt. I mean, th- these Bulls, they're going to be terrible. Is like, that, was that punch to the face the best move for the Bulls this year? We get to watch Laurie Markkinen come out right early in the I think, season and honestly, just show what he's worth? Honestly, I feel like Markkinen would have been starting over Miritich. I don't think for so. Sure. I, I have a feeling he would. Hoiberg, Garbax. I know it's three guys, but still. But also, I mean, looking at Hoiberg, he wants guys that are younger, m- more fluid out there. Markkinen's more fluid than Miritich. Yeah, but Hoiberg doesn't have the say in who's on the court. Remember that. Remember how many games Tibbs was pushing and playing players? Remember Hoiberg even was pushing to playing mm-hmm. veterans over younger players. So, I don't know. I I am concerned. I think we. I think the Bulls could make a mistake here, and because of the timeline of January 18th being the first available date, you can move Miritich. That we could make a mistake and see Bobby move. What do you think? The, so you think the biggest mistake would be moving Bobby? I do, and I'm afraid because, like I said, there's that overlap time. If if the locker room is so bad that you can't have those guys in the locker room together again, mm-hmm. I could see the Bulls like making the horrible move and going, "All right, well, one of you has to go. We can't move Nico until January." Bobby, you know, it's been great having you here. Let's get some value back. I'd be like, sorry, Nico, I, you're just sitting in the press box. That's that's you're my sitting, move. Is just you're like, sitting next to me and Garpax right, right at every home game. Pam, you know, Dwayne Wade to play on the Cavs. Mm-hmm. We paid, I, I mean, it's Rondo just, to leave. Yeah, just go ahead. T- take a vacation. Yeah, I think that's Make what, sure your face is fully healed. I think that's what you're going to have to do, is that, is that you're going to have to say, Miritich, go get LASIK, LASIK or something. Like, go <laughs> get eye surgery, you know, take, take a couple weeks off. Um, there's no way that you can keep Nikola Miritich on this team and get rid of Bobby Portis, even if it's a role player, just because I think it sends the wrong message to this team in general as well, because if you're trading a guy who's enticing in practice, and yes, Bobby Portis is still in the wrong. He punched a guy in the face. It's assault. Um, But still, I mean, Nikola was being an asshole. He was charging after him. He's a guy that's getting paid way too much money, a guy who's 26 years old compared to a 22-year-old. You're going for a youth movement, or you hope at least the Chicago Bulls are going in a a youth movement. Zach Levine's coming back in November, so you hope that also brings a little bit back back of a spark as well. Bobby's going to come off this eight-game suspension sooner rather than later. So you're going to see what these guys can do. Bobby's going to get some game time in, and I feel like Bobby, if he plays well enough, they're going to be like, all right, Nicola, sit your ass back up here at the (laughs) press box. But any final thoughts on the Portis-Miritich saga? I mean, I I honestly feel like it's... Oh, no. It it, it will be sorted, and it will be settled well, Bobby Bobby sweeping 2-0? Bobby sweeping 2-0. That's, he's going to punch one. Miritich and get him sent away? <laughs> I mean, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? I think. I mean, most Bulls fans hate Miritich already, so... What would be great is if you just don't sign the goddamn deal in the first place, and you don't bring wow. him on to your team uh, for two years and $12.5 per year. I think that would probably be the smartest move if you're the Chicago Bulls, but they don't make smart moves. So tell us in the comments down below, are you on the puncher, Bobby Portis, or the receiver of the punch, Nikola Miritich side? Who should be traded? 
who should be staying on the Bulls, and ultimately, how bad of a move does this look for the Chicago Bulls? Because you're trying to tank, and then right before the season even starts, who's got value got left? Two guys punching. I mean, yeah. I feel like Portis has probably the most value because we'll have to see. smaller contract, younger player, you still have a club option. I feel like that's the biggest thing is is that you play into that with Bobby Portis. I feel like Bobby Portis probably has the most value. But tell us what you think in the comments down below. But anyways, we are going to be moving on into the Philadelphia 76ers and Markel Fultz. As you guys have seen, and Dave and I have seen, you can see that Markel Fultz obviously was changing his jump shot and his free throw shot um, when he was, you know, during preseason after the draft, after he was brought in. Everyone's wondering why is he changing it. He was a bad free throw shooter in college. I think he said around 62.5% from the free throw line, but still, his form wasn't bad. He was right. just off, and and now he just looked absolutely brutal. I have a better form than him. He's and I shoot with two hands. You do so, the Joe Kim Noah? Yeah, I I'm shooting like this. It's it's brutal. <laughs> and Markel Fultz somehow looked worse. It, it just looked uncomfortable shooting the ball. And now his agent coming out saying that he had fluid drain from his shoulder, and also he got a cortisone shot in his shoulder as well. And my question is, if they saw that Fultz was changing his shot, and if Fultz you know, didn't make it apparent that he was injured, or he did make it apparent that he was injured, are the 76ers just kind of hurting him by playing him? And shouldn't they just let him sit out and, you know, heal up? Yes. I mean, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. I mean, they did hey. it with Simmons. They did it with Simmons. They did they, it with They Simmons. sat him out completely and yeah. said, all right, hey, just take the year off. You know, you could probably play, like, yeah. later on in the season, but just take it off. We want you healthy. And then they don't do it with faults. Like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand how they didn't step in as soon as he started to play with his own shot. You have trainers. You have guys specifically at the NBA level. I get it. He worked with his own guy. But there, there's some communication missing there on, like, like, hey, I'm going to fuck with my shot this offseason. Mm-hmm. To like, hey, you did pretty well in college with that shot. I get yeah. you're concerned about the free throw, but like, you don't need to do a massive change. So it's kind of like, I don't know if it's a chicken or egg scenario with me. Did he change his shot because he was having shoulder injuries, shoulder issues already and he was hiding it? Or because he changed his shot, did that create a shoulder problem? And Brett Brown came out and said that Marco Fultz, Fultz wants to change his shot and then his... his uh, Brian Colangelo suggested twice that Markel Fultz changing his shooting mechanics August contributed to his shooting complications, but also his agent came out and said, no, he was shooting that way because of his shoulder injury. So there's differing reports yeah. from these camps saying that, no, you're the problem, Fultz is the problem, Fultz wanted to change, Fultz you know, did this to himself. I mean, this is just poorly mishandled it's in, very my, in my eyes. I mean, it's something where you look at what was happening with Ben Simmons and you don't blame him at all because you're too cautious and now you're kind of rushing in faults because you're like well he's just he's doing it to himself like I just feel like this is poorly mishandled all around and I feel like I don't know who to put the blame on because if it's true Fultz wanted to change his shot and he fucked up his shoulder from that then that's on Fultz without a doubt but if the 76ers knew that he had a banged up shoulder and they're like all right change your shot or he started shooting differently and they didn't ask any questions that is where the problem lies it lies with the colangelos it lies with brett brown for wanting to have the process pretty much all out there and simmons and bead and fultz having all three guys out there i feel like that's just a bigger problem and i feel like you know we obviously saw a little bit probably a mishandling with Embiid's injuries throughout his careers yeah so i mean we've seen injury problems just consistently ja as well come up in jaw as well and consistently come up in philadelphia i mean has philly kind of taken the blame for this just because they've had bad you know past with injuries for the rookies and just guys in general on this team yeah i think that it's more lo- it's more easy to believe that this is a philadelphia problem even though they have cleared out that staff uh, that dealt with the early issues with Joel Embiid, with jaw like they've changed out numerous uh, doctors in house yeah. to make sure that you know we're going to do this right, which is why it's really concerning that this has come up. And it's like, look, guys, 
I mean, if you've watched him play, you know something's wrong. You see him out there, it, he he looks very uncomfortable playing. Even, even take a shot out of it, like on the court, he doesn't look good. His yeah. free throw, like when he was just straight up breaking shot after shot at the line, you're like, this is traumatic as fuck. Like, I don't even want to like, it, it's hard to boo the guy even from my standpoint. Like, I want him to succeed. He was obviously the first overall pick for a reason. He had such a uh, high level of success with his scoring in college. And then to hit, a, to hit a streak of struggles right off the bat when you hit the court, I mean, this could set back, like, I don't want to be, like, overdramatic about this, but, like, this is how you ruin a guy's, like, the start of his career. This is how you set him back. You hurt his development. You hurt his confidence as well. Up. It's gone. And how do you rebuild confidence like that when you struggle so hard in your first four games of your career to the point where, like, I, I mean, he shouldn't be out there, well, period. And his, his his guy who was helping working on his form, form, his trainer, was like, he was shooting this way to avoid pain. Like, he, it wasn't caused by the shot. He was avoiding pain. So now when he comes back out and they're sitting him out for three games, possibly later, they're reevaluating him, they say there's no structural damage, which is good. There just might be some problems with his actual shoulder in general. Yeah. But the thing is, is that... You need confidence if you're going to be a shooter out there. I mean, all these guys have decent form out there. It's just the fact that they don't have the confidence to put it in. They don't have all these you know tools to put it in together. You know, the reason why Steph Curry is so damn good at shooting is because of the confidence he has. I mean, he yeah. can come out and hit it from 50, and he knows he could hit it from 50. Where you know, you look at Kobe. Kobe had the damn you know confidence to shoot all the damn time. And when he <laughs> yeah. was, it wasn't going in. He probably doubted himself, and that's why you see you know him toss up 50 shots and go like 26 of 50. But still, I mean, he's hitting 26 of 50. And in his mind, he's still saying it's a higher percentage shot than everybody else on the court. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, is, is <laughs> It's that, that instinct. It's that you, confidence. It's that swagger that and, you bring to the team. And when you crush it in a young kid, and also when he goes up to shoot and, like, oh, is my you know shoulder going to get fucked up again? Is my shoulder going to hurt? That's going to be in the back of his mind for a while, for a couple games, and that's not going to go away. Yeah. And that's going to hurt him even more because then it's like, well, what's wrong with me? Is it my shoulder? Am I just bad at basketball? What's going on? Is there too much pressure on me? I was the number one pick. I and mean, then everything builds up. And I'm not saying that Markel Fultz is mentally weak or anything. I'm not trying to you know say that. It's just something that this kid's only 19 years old. Yeah. I mean, this kid's weirdly enough younger than I am. And he's <laughs> you know being said like, you know, you're the number one pick. You're going to take Philly back to basketball greatness. You're about to be you're, a part of the you're process. You're part of the process, man. Simmons and Bede and you, you are going to be part of the holy trinity or whatever you want to say. Yeah. And then they mishandle it because you have to do it right away. You have to, you know, be out there right away. And you're trying to change your shot so you can be out there right away. And I feel like, again, touching on confidence, this is probably more of a problem with the Philadelphia 76ers because they thought, you know, he's going to be fine. He's a fine shooter. He's working on it to improve his shot, not because he's injured. And they didn't ask any other questions. And I feel that is where the problem lies. I feel that's what's happening with the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't think it's anything with Markel Fultz where Markel Fultz was like, oh, my jumper's whack. I need to fix it. Like, yeah. I you think don't put up 20 plus points a game in college and decide, you know what, and, I'm doing something very wrong here. In scouting him, it wasn't like he was, you know, a natural born shooter out there. It wasn't like no. he had a, a silky smooth jumper, but it got the job done. I mean, this is again, like you said, 20 point per game sh- score, even more than that. Yeah, he was a guy that plus, shot yeah. fairly, fairly efficient from three and from the field. I mean, it wasn't like he was a, an ass shooter out there. I mean, you look at LeBron James. LeBron James has a nice stroke, but one of his goals is to shoot over 80% from the line. I mean, some guys just can't do it. If Fultz was going to be able to get up to 70, I think it's just something that works through his, his career. I don't think it's anything to do with his form. 
I look at Fultz and I feel like, yes, he's not a you know, pure shooter. He's not a guy that's going to come down and knock a shot from, you know, shot down from like 35 back. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy that can at least shoot when he's open and knock it down. And he's a guy that can create his own shot and knock that shot down. And it's something that he had the form. And I feel like he changed the form, like his trainer said, because of the shoulder pain that he was being caused. And the 76ers, again, didn't you know scratch the surface, didn't dig deep enough and ask him, hey, what's truly wrong here? Yeah. And they said him for one preseason game, but obviously not enough. No, I mean, that's, it's, I, I agree with you. It's very concerning. And I've never seen like a number one overall player in basketball have like the mental yips. Like, honestly. You I, never? Anthony Bennett Anthony was a different. Bennett. No, no, that wasn't a different. That was a different case entirely because he was mentally weak. Mentally weak, but he also physically was not there. Like he, he was. A, I get it at the time. Looking back, it's easy to say this, but like he wasn't a good fit. And honestly, he had a couple of decent performances in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. But you could tell like his game was limited. This is not Mark Fultz being limited in what he can do because we've seen him do a whole lot more. This is completely. I don't want to say completely mental because obviously he has a shoulder issue now, but. The shooting motion, the, the the need to improve before you've even made your mark on the game, I, I get very concerned. And you saw what Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid did with that year off, and or several years off for Joel Embiid, to develop their game, to develop a shot, because Joel Embiid learned how to shoot correctly. Ben Simmons has improved his shot, and it still looks whack uh, at times, but he's at least comfortable, and he knows what shots to take, and those look pretty good. I think you have a chance with somebody on your team like J.J. Redick, who over his long career, has developed an excellent shot motion. I think you pair him up. Hold on. JJ was a butter shooter from college. I mean, he, uh, was, the be- he was the best pure shooter in college back in 2004. Know. Get the fuck out of here. I think he's developed and, and gotten he's a whole lot better. probably improved. He's gotten, he's gotten a lot But better. I will also defend, like, 2005 JJ Redick because like, he had the nicest shot I'm trying to pull over, like, the Corver, what Corver has done with LeBron. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, to teach LeBron, and LeBron was, again, yeah. it was after an injury, he was forced to change his shot. Mm-hmm. And that's how he learned to improve. And I think you have to take the advantage of you're well, a young Derek kid. Rose. Derek Rose can never shoot as well, and he yeah. developed his shot and got better. It's you have an opportunity. You're with a professional level team. Use the guys around. Use the training staff. Make the most out of your time there. Because if you're dependent, and no offense, I get the you know go with the guy who got you there with your personal trainer. Yeah. But like at some point, you have to go with the guys who know what they're doing and who have done it for decades at a time. Or go out and get Joel Embiid's guy, because obviously that's that, that guy saying, did yeah. some mo- that, that guy did some work. I don't know if you want to trust the 76ers, because the whole point of this video is to bash the 76ers and say, you fucked up. But like you him fucked up there, your number one pick. Yeah, are, are you concerned? Do you think long-term this has a problem? Like, do you think he's now, yeah. like, damaged goods? No, no. God. Do you think if he comes he's played, back... He's played three this games This is hot takes and overreactions. Career. He's played three four. games. He's yeah, four. Pl- he, four games. He's played four games. Big in his M- He's played four games <laughs> in his NBA career. He's not broken. He's not damaged goods. He's a guy that I feel like was mishandled and probably shouldn't have played those four games. But even then, I feel like this is still a kid with a lot of talent. And if he goes back to that old shooting form or improves the shooting form, which is probably the goal that the reason why he has the trainer in general is to improve his shooting form, he will still be able to be a great NBA player. And again, he's only 19, still very athletic, still is great going to the basket and still playing on a team with a lot of potential and a lot of talent. So some of his weaknesses might be hidden by Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Rocco, 
Dario, all of these Right players. now there's a goddamn spotlight on it, though. Oh, there it is. is just And that's one thing, as a 19-year-old, you should not have on you. And it's not your fault that it's currently Number on you. One it's on the Philadelphia 76ers, and I feel like that's the biggest thing. Yeah. But if you disagree with us, let us know in the comments down below. Do you think the Philadelphia 76ers have mishandled the Markel Fultz situation? Do you think it obviously should have been in a better direction? Do you think the flame is actually on Fultz? Do you think he actually messed up his shooting arm and his shooting motion and his shoulder by changing his shots. Should they just redshirt everybody they draft? Should they just redshirt everybody they draft? I think that's a pretty damn good question, Dave, because they think they did it to TLC as well, and a little bit to TLC. He, he, he had like half a year. Yeah, so they half redshirted him. But still, maybe they should just redshirt every single rookie that they have. Tell us in the comments down below. But that is going to wrap up the Fast Break Podcast for us tonight. Thank you so much for watching, or if you're listening to Blog Talk Radio, thank you so much. we got to give a shout-out to everyone on Blog Talk. We also want to say, if you haven't looked at patreon.com slash Podcast, we just got another patron, so you'll have another Patreon podcast where we have one of our patrons talking to us, whether it's Fast Break, Onside Kick, PTP, Rick and Johnny. If you do go to patreon.com, you can donate and make your choice of what podcast you want to be on, Jake and Pat are our two patrons. We got a big shout out to those guys. We also want to give a shout out to Zani because he's been a loyal patron as well. And yeah. also, don't forget to review us on iTunes. Head over to iTunes, type in Most Valuable Podcast, go to The Fast Break, and then give that a little bit of a five star action because it definitely helps us out and helps us grow. But for Dave Oster, I'm Sean Anderson. We will see you for the Fast Break OT edition on YouTube. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.